Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I'd like to welcome you, dear viewers, to another in our series, Daybreak Islam. In this episode, we'll be looking at the social responsibilities of a Muslim. What does Islam say about social responsibility? First and foremost, we know that Islam is fundamentally a communal religion. All of the various acts of worship involve other members of society. And the Prophet, for example, may God's peace and blessing be upon him, had stressed the importance of interacting with other human beings when he said, المؤمن الذي يخالط الناس ويصبر على أذاهم خير من المؤمن الذي لا يخالط الناس ولا يؤمن ولا يصبر على أذاهم. That the believer who mixes with the people and is patient with the harm which comes from people from mixing in society is better than the Muslim who isolates himself, doesn't mix with people, he just worships by himself, doesn't interact, doesn't suffer any uh, harm from the society. The one who mixes is better. The Prophet ﷺ had stressed that point. So, this is, it's very important for us to understand that Islam, whether it is the declaration of faith, you know, it's not a personal thing alone. Yes, it starts from the personal in, intention and decision. But that has to be shared with the community. That's why the declaration of faith is supposed to be allowed and said in front of other members of the community to identify yourself. We are a part of a community. It's not acceptable for you just to, to decide, I'm a Muslim uh, within yourself and you don't let anybody know and you just carry on. No. The very declaration of faith is required to be a communal affair. And the first pillar of Islam is uh, Salah. The five times daily prayer. This is preferably done in the mosque with the rest of the community. Again, so you're interacting with the Communal members, members of your immediate community where you are. So you're aware of the members of the community. You see them on a daily basis. This helps to build a sense of communal responsibility. Similarly with fasting. Fasting is also uh, engaged on as a community. Somebody has to spot the moon, announce the beginning of the, of the fast, etc., etc., you know, so even fasting in its various aspects are, is done or should be done, you know, on a communal level, not just an individual by himself fasting off in a corner. And zakah, zakah of course involves sharing one's wealth with the needy in your community. 
So again, it's communal. And Hajj. The pilgrimage to Mecca. It's not just to get the title Hajji or Hajja. Because really there's no title like that in Islam for it. It is a communal effort to get there. To perform the Hajj. All of it involves communal activities. So, Islam is a communal religion. And as such, it has prescribed certain acts, principles, policies, guidelines for communal activity, which would support its basic communal uh, foundation. So, when we look at the communal responsibilities, we can start from the neighborhood, the neighbors, people who make up your immediate community. And the Prophet ﷺ had advised Muslims that the responsibility to their neighbor, for example, that they would not be fully fed, enjoy good meals, and their neighbors are starving, are unable to eat hardly. That is an unacceptable circumstance. It's something displeasing to God. And the Prophet ﷺ had stressed that one who believes in Allah, God in the last day, you know, is supposed to be good to his neighbor or her neighbor. This is one of the criterion to prove that one truly believes in Allah and the last day. And as such, everything which has to do with your immediate neighborhood, whether it is joining together to clean it up, or joining together to patrol it if there's harm uh, from thieves, etc. So have a neighborhood watch these kind of programs, etc. to protect the members of the community. This is a basic part and parcel of Islam. Now when we look at it on a, a bigger scale, which has to do with the society as a whole, we can see, for example, the principle of what is known as Al-Amr bil-Ma'roof wal-Nahi al-Munkar. You know, as Allah describes the believers uh, as commanding the good and prohibiting the evil. That this is one of the defining characteristics of a true believer, a true Muslim. Commanding the good, as Prophet ﷺ had said, "Man ra'a minkum munkaran, Whoever amongst you sees an evil, should change it, should correct it with his or her hand. And if they're not able, then they should speak out against it, change it with one's tongue. And if one is still not able, then of course to, one should at least hate it in the heart. And this is the lowest level of faith. But speaking out against evil, where evil exists within the community, it should be spoken against. So 
uh, where, for example, corruption exists in the society, then those who know that corruption is taking place should not be silent. It's not acceptable because so-and-so is my friend or a friend of my friend or whatever, you know, or belonging to my tribe or my family, etc. We know they're doing wrong, but we are silent because we feel an obligation to one's friend. And the Prophet ﷺ had said on one occasion, Unsur akhaka ظَالِمًا أَوْ madluma. Help your brother whether he is an oppressor or the oppressed. And this was a well-known phrase, you know, in pre-Islamic times, which implied, you know, the, the rights of the tribe or the family. You help your brother whether he is oppressing others or he's oppressed. But when the companions heard the Prophet ﷺ say that, they were shocked. Because they said to him, O Messenger of Allah, we can understand that we should help our brothers when they are oppressed. But helping them when they are the oppressor? How? It doesn't make sense. You know, because Islam stands for righteousness, goodness, etc. So he said, you help them when they are the oppressor by stopping them from oppressing others. That's how you help them. It is clear that Islam doesn't tolerate silence in the times of oppression. And of course, if you are able to change it with your hand, meaning that you are able to stop it, for you just to talk or be silent, definitely this is not in keeping with the teachings of Islam. It is sinful, actually. Because those who have the means, have the capability of preventing evil, it becomes their social responsibility to stop it. So Muslims of the past were known for their honesty, not corruption. And it was due to their honesty that Islam spread with Muslim traders. To much of the world, it was Muslim traders who spread Islam, not Muslim soldiers. So uh, we have somehow lost our way. And we need to get back to fighting corruption uh, and to prevent the opportunities for people to get away with corruption, with impunity, they should be held accountable. As the Prophet ﷺ had said, مَنْ غَشَّنَا فَلَيْسَ مِنَّا Whoever cheats us is not of us. So, we have to, as a community, engage in preventing evil and promoting the good. This is the fundamental community responsibility or communal responsibility on each and every Muslim. Also added to that is assisting the needy and those who are suffering in the society. That the wealth that we have should be circulated. And that's why we have the principle of zakah. That's what the principle of zakah is all about. Where your surplus wealth, not just a portion of your wealth, regardless of your circumstance, but your surplus wealth, which you haven't used, which is just sitting there. Two and a half percent is taken from that 
and given to the needy members of the society. That's what the religion requires as an act of faith. For us not to fulfill this requirement is in fact a violation of the principles. And we will suffer punishment as a result of it. So it is very important for us to engage in collecting zakah, paying it ourselves and helping others to collect it. That's a communal uh, responsibility. If people are not doing it communally, then of course you do it yourself. You can't say, well, nobody else is doing it, so there's no point. You know, why, why should I knock myself out? No. If nobody else does it, at least you do it yourself. But we should band together and uh, collect that zakah collectively because some many people need the pressure of the community for them to uh, fulfill their responsibilities. So we need to revive the uh, zakah collection on a communal scale and not leave it just up to the individual to give or not to give. And of course this addresses issues of disasters, when natural disasters comes, etc. We should be in the forefront. Now, I remember a couple of years ago that there was a survey done in the UK among the various communities of the UK to determine who was the most charitable. Who were the people who gave the most, you know, when there were times of need, etc. And they did find it was the Muslims. But majority of foreign Muslims in the UK are from India, Pakistan. That's where they mostly come from. You know? But what I heard here in Nigeria that people are not that forthcoming. You know? They're not known for that. Other communities are more active in assisting the poor, the needy, you know, the, those who have suffered from natural disasters, etc., etc. We as Muslims, you know, Prophet Muhammad said, we are like one body. If any part of that body is hurt, the rest of the body is feverish in trying to deal with that hurt. We're like the tooth or the teeth of one comb. They're, we're equal. We're in that sense. We're all part of that one institution. So it is very, very important for us to bring our Islamic uh, teachings and principles to life in fulfilling our communal responsibilities. Those principles only benefit us in this life and the next if we apply them. It's not enough for us just to be good at... Uh, rattling off what are the pillars of Islam, we know what they are, but how are they manifest in our lives? This is the question. We'll be coming back after the break to look at our final thoughts on the communal responsibilities of a Muslim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I'd like to welcome you back to this episode in Daybreak Islam. The episode is on the social responsibilities of a Muslim. And in our previous segment, we looked at the communal nature of Islam, how Islam and all of its principles can only really be practiced effectively if it's done communally. 
and Islam dislikes the monastic approach to piety and righteousness. Also, we looked at the importance for commanding the good and prohibiting the evil. Al-Amr bil-Ma'roof wa Nahyan al-Murkar. Because without this, the society falls apart completely. And this is what is the case in many Muslim nations today. Corruption is widespread. Because commanding the good is no longer a common practice. People don't speak out when wrong is there. Don't stop it when they're able to stop it. And also the issue of assisting the needy members of society who are suffering due to natural disasters, uh, Boko Haram uh, attacks and this type of thing. Those people are displaced, uh, put into camps, to refugee camps, etc. We're not coming to their aid on the scale that we should. This is not good. This implies that our religion is just talk. They're just words on paper. We claim that we are good Muslims or true Muslims, but it's not reflected in our actions. To, to be able to do the things that we spoke about, whether it is commanding the good, prohibiting the evil, fighting against corruption, uh, assisting the needy, etc. All of this is best done, as we said, as a group, communally. We should have organizations. And we do have organizations. But, for the most part, these organizations tend to be competing organizations. Instead of cooperating together, you know, as Allah had told us, ta'awanu al-birr wa taqwa, you know, co- cooperate with each other in righteousness and God consciousness. Wala ta'awanu al-ithmi wal-udwan, and we should not cooperate in enmity and, uh, Harm, spreading harm amongst each other. We need to cooperate in righteousness, meaning that we need to work together. So this cooperation is essential. This is part of our social responsibility, that we cooperate with each other, whether it's on an individual level, or it's on a neighborhood level, or societal level organizational level, we should be engaged in cooperating with each other, working together for the benefit of the society as a whole. So, as a recap, every Muslim has a responsibility to society. His or her Islam is not limited to himself or herself. We cannot practice Islam in a community, in a society by ourselves. Of course, if you are lost on an island, you're the only person on the island, you can still practice your Islam. You do what what you can of its principles 
And it does, we don't have the excuse. We can't say, well, you know, there was nobody else to, to pray with, so we didn't pray. No, we pray. We still can fast. We can still do the principles, at least, which are sufficient for an individual to do. But those which require a community and you, there's no community, then you're not held responsible for. But as a whole, that's a rare circumstance. How many people end up in that kind of a circumstance? It's rare. So therefore, the norm is that we exist in communities. And as the Prophet ﷺ had said, and I mentioned in the beginning, that the believer who mixes with people and bears their harm is better than the believer who doesn't mix with people and doesn't bear their harm. He isolates himself from society. So, the Islamic way is to be a part of the community, to play a role in the community, to help that community that we find ourselves in, by Allah's qadr, to help that community grow, to protect that community from evil and harm, to strengthen it, and through that, to implement our Islam on a communal level. And this is a part and parcel of worshipping Allah. We worship Allah through our communal activities, fulfilling all of the responsibilities that Allah has placed on our shoulders through His Messenger Muhammad wasallam. And I ask Allah to give us the reality of our communal responsibilities as Muslims and to work together and to cooperate with those who are trying to fulfill that responsibility and may Allah bless our future in serving Allah on a communal level for the benefit of our society as a whole. Barakallahu feekum, salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Seeking knowledge and obligation made easy. Thought about studying for a long time? Tuition fees keeping you from actually starting? Islamic Online University has led a revolution in online learning. The world's first tuition-free degree, BA in Islamic Studies. Access the knowledge, any place, anytime, anywhere. It just doesn't get any easier than that. Classes, texts, assignments, completely online. Set your own schedule for the semester. No overseas travel required for the exams. Subjects taught by qualified English-speaking scholars. Weekly live sessions in virtual classrooms. With curricula based on those in El Medina University in Saudi Arabia. El Azhar University in Cairo. And other reputable institutions around the world. Why wait any longer? You pay just a symbolic registration fee and are ready to begin the adventure of higher education. The most diverse student body of any university in the world, 130,000 plus registered students from 217 countries. Log in to the website for more details, www.islamiconlineuniversity.com.